Awesome. Great job, guys. Thank you so much. Church, um, yes, we are talking about investment this morning. And again, it's such a proud, proud thing for us to have our students leading us in worship. And I know some of you guys have worked with some of these guys as early on, like I said, as Grove Kids, because so many of them have been involved uh, in the life of our church for a very, very long time. Um, Well, before we get to um, (laughs) our primary uh, point of our message this morning, I do want to tell you guys a story. Uh, when it comes to investing in others, I got to tell you that a, a few weeks ago, I was cleaning up around our house and, and putting some stuff away in the basement. And uh, if you guys are like me at all, we take down the Christmas decorations like a week or two after Christmas, right? But then they just migrate into the garage or the basement or wherever, you know, and then you actually put them where they're supposed to go a little while later, a little while after that. And that's what I was doing. I was putting away the Christmas decorations and that kind of stuff where it belongs. And I found some old Rubbermaid tubs in the basement there. And just out of curiosity, I opened them up to see what was inside. And I found a ton of stuff from, like, my early ministry days. Among them, some uh, cassette tapes and some VHS tapes. Now, students, young adults, if you guys don't know what cassette tapes, or specifically I want to talk to you about this VHS tape that I found. If you don't know what a VHS tape, just think of streaming but worse and harder, okay? And that's what um, VHS tapes are. Imagine having an entire appliance in your home just for rewinding a video so you can watch it. Do you, does, adults, you guys know what I'm, remember that rewinder that would go? Yeah, that was hard times that we lived in back then for sure. But um, I found this VHS tape, and what it was is a recording of my earliest days of learning to play guitar and leading worship. And there's one word I could uh, describe to you, just the feeling of watching these, and it was like, it was me, it was an audition tape for a summer camp that I worked at, and then also on this tape was a recording of my then-girlfriend, Trisha Grigsby, now Trisha Blake, so good for me, um, leading worship at our home church, and then a youth rally that I led with a band of me and a couple other college-age guys that uh, we put together for that. Uh, But one word could sum up how I felt watching that old VHS tape of myself. And that is the word painful. It was painful to go back and watch. Let me show you a screenshot of the guy that I was watching on the screen that day up here. You always expect some laughter, but not that much. Um, no, I was a product. I was like a 90s kid. You know, I, I, came, I was a teenager during the 90s. So a lot of stuff going on there. You can see, I don't know if you can tell the sun in in the hair, if you guys remember that at all, the puka shell necklace. And I'm not going to play the video for you because again, so painful, but just a, a real voice and style inspired by the boy bands of the time, just real backstreet, sync kind of vibes um, was going on there. I don't know. I don't know what I was doing with my life, but after I cringed so hard watching this and after that initial sort of like ugh, wore off, Another feeling started welling up inside me, and, and the emotion and the feeling I walked away with after watching these tapes, uh, what remained was gratitude, thankfulness, that at one point in my life, when I neither had earned or probably deserved certain opportunities, people gave them to me anyway. Now, I don't know, adults especially in the room, I don't know if you are like this, but I look back on my life, and there were a lot of opportunities, there were a lot of chances that people gave me. And again, I feel like I probably neither earned or deserved those opportunities. And yet someone saw past who I was to who I could be. And they took a chance. They took a risk. They rolled the dice and hoped it would work out. And they invested in me. Now, if that's you, 
If you feel like at any point in your life, and students, maybe you feel like this too, but adults especially, does anyone in this room feel like someone gave you an opportunity or a responsibility or took a chance on you when you neither had earned or deserved that opportunity, responsibility, or chance? Anybody? Okay, a lot of us, right? That's something we're familiar with. We know how that feels. And hey, just a side note to everything we'll talk about this morning. Maybe today, maybe this week sometime would be a good time for you to reach out to that person or those people, whoever it was, and say thank you. I did that this past week thinking about this. I reached out to a guy named Chad who led me to Jesus and then allowed me to intern for him, allowed me to start leading worship at a youth group. And again, I feel like I definitely didn't earn that right responsibility or opportunity, but he gave it to me anyway because he saw past who I was in the moment to maybe who I could be. Someone did the same for you. Reach out and say thank you for that opportunity this week. But let me turn it and ask you this. If you've experienced that and you felt like that before, that someone saw past who you were to who you could be and gave you an opportunity you neither earned or deserved, are you doing that for someone in your life right now? Are you investing your life in someone else right now? The big question I want to ask you guys today is this. Who? Who are you investing your life in? I'll say this again here in just a few minutes when we near the end of this, but I want to say it right now also. I don't believe it's a question of is there someone in your life that you could be investing in. It's not a question of if there's someone. It's a question of who is it, and will you be willing to make the investment in their life? Do you guys know that as we read Scripture, there is a biblical example and mandate given to us to invest our lives in others? And you can see it in so many stories and lives in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. You think of people like Paul and Barnabas, and then Paul and Timothy, and and you see the investment and the mentorship and the discipleship that happens in the pages of Scripture. But I think most clearly we see it in the life of Jesus, okay? We see that the Bible sets an example for us in the life of Jesus, and Jesus himself set an example for us that we are to follow of investing our lives in others. Now, when we think about investing our lives in others, I just want you to understand this, that the work that God has done in your life, the investment that the Lord has made into your life, let's just call it the gospel, the good news and the good work that he has done and is still doing in your life. I mean, the gospel is not a cul-de-sac or a dead-end street, okay? It's a highway. God's work comes to us, but it also moves through us, okay? The gospel is not a retention pond, okay? It's not something that just pours into and sits. No, it's a river, all right? The gospel flows to us, but should flow through us as well. One more way to say this is I heard a a pastor, an author, speaker, Robbie Gallaty say it like this, that the gospel met you on its way to someone else. All that is to say this, that the riches of God's love for us is a currency that's meant to be invested in others, okay? It's a treasure. The gospel is a treasure that we should not selfishly lock away or hide under a mattress. No, God works in a pay-it-forward economy. Every good and perfect gift that we receive comes from God, but it is not meant to be hoarded or kept to ourselves. It's a gift that's meant to be re-gifted and paid forward in our lives. If God has done for you, now he calls you to do for others because God works in a pay-it-forward economy. And again, we see this in the life of Jesus. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 21, that we ought to walk as Jesus walked. 
It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, that Jesus set for us an example that we might follow in his steps. And this is the example he set for us. Jesus called to himself 12 disciples. Do you remember this? Do you remember reading in places like Matthew chapter 4? He's walking along the sea, and he sees these fishermen at their, their boats and at their nets, and he says, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And when he said, come follow me, and he said that to, again, 12 men that then left their nets, left their lives, left their tax collector booth, left whatever, and they would come and they would follow him. They became disciples to his rabbi. All right. Now, Jesus as a rabbi, when we think about that, in, in Judaism, rabbis uh, were not just teachers, and disciples did not just go to a class once a week or, or once a day even. No, disciples left their homes and their lives behind. They followed their rabbi 24-7. There was teaching for sure, but the relationship was mostly about setting and observing an example, an example that was in emulated. In other words, it was an insane amount of investment that a rabbi would make into the lives of his disciples. And that's what Jesus did. He called these 12 men. And maybe you know this, within the 12, he pulled to himself a tighter three, Peter, James, and John. And he invested in them. And when I read the gospels and I see the way that Jesus invested in the lives of his disciples, I see that Jesus saw past who they were to who they could become. And he made an incredible investment, and the world was changed because of his investment in these men, right? One disciple has always stood out to me more than the others, though, when you read these stories, and that's the Apostle Peter. Simon Peter, you guys remember this guy, right? He uh, uh, was uh, this, will he get it right? Will he not get it right? Will his foot end up in his mouth again kind of guy? But he's such a prominent figure there, and he's one of that inner circle three, Jesus pulled to himself, and Jesus made an incredible investment into the life of this man named Peter. Now, as we look at Peter's life, we can learn a few things about investing in others. The first one is this, that investing in others takes time. Investing in others takes a lot of time. Again, the relationship between disciple and rabbi. The rabbi would spend his entire day, his entire waking life with his disciples 24-7. Think about Jesus and the disciples living, traveling, walking, talking, eating together, and then the disciples watching the public ministry of Christ and more. Imagine the amount of Jesus that Peter and the other disciples were able to absorb. Have you all ever read in the book of John, uh, chapter 21, verse 25, the apostle John says this, that when it comes to the things that Jesus said and did, all the books in the world could not contain all that he did. I mean, if you think about three years, 24-7, with the Son of God, with Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, Of course, all the books in the world cannot contain the incredible things they must have seen and heard from him. So there was this huge quantity of time invested. And people ask the question sometimes, right? Like, what's more important when it comes to investing time in others, quantity or quality? Well, those of us that do invest in others, those of us that lead others know the answer is what? Both, right? It's quantity and quality. So as much quantity time as Jesus invested in Peter and the other disciples, he also invested quality time. I remember uh, the disciples were on a boat one night out at sea, and, and they saw Jesus coming towards them walking on the water. And Jesus reached out, and he said, come walk on water. And Peter did. He stepped out of the boat, and he walked on water for a minute with Jesus. What a quality time that must have been. I remember on a hillside one day reading about how Jesus miraculously fed thousands and thousands of people, and the disciples were right there. Peter was right there. You need to witness that. Peter saw Jesus caused the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to get up and walk. Peter witnessed these incredible things. And then one day, 
Jesus took Peter, James, and John, that inner circle of three, up on the side of a mountain, and he revealed to them his true nature in this thing we call the transfiguration, okay? And so there was this massive amount, this insane amount of quantity time he spent with these men, but there was also these quality times where he revealed to them more of who he was. And when you put that quality time and that quantity time together, when we invest in others, that's what makes the difference. But investing in others takes time. I also want to tell you this. Investing in others is messy. All right? And if you think about the life of Peter, think about this. Remember, you know, he, he did. Peter got out of the boat and he, and he walked on water with Jesus. But just a short time later, he began to sink. And Jesus had to reach down and pull him up from the waves there. And it got a little messy, right? It got messy too when Jesus one day had to rebuke Peter and said to him, get behind me, Satan. Got a little messy there got real messy when Jesus had to bend over and pick up a bloody ear off the ground that Peter had just chopped off the side of the head of a Roman guard. But it got really, really messy when Jesus heard Peter deny that he even knew Jesus three times, and then the rooster crowed. Investing in others. I would love to tell you that if you you step out and you begin to invest your life in others, it will be win after win after win. It will be good and clean and perfect, but that's not the truth. And those of you that are parents know this, right? Parenting is the most awesome and disgusting thing you will ever do in your life. Can I get a A and amen? <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that, having kids, but it's awesome and super gross, right? Because investing in others can, but definitely is, <laughs> messy. Can be, definitely is messy. Investing in others, though, it's also costly. Investing in others cost us something. To say nothing of the time, energy, and the patience it required of Jesus to lead these men, especially Peter, Jesus' destiny ultimately led him up a hill called Calvary, where his mission to seek and to save that which was lost cost him everything. Jesus paid the highest price. He made the ultimate sacrifice. But the example he sets for us is what? Sacrificial love. Sacrificial love is the example that Christ set for us when it comes to how we love and serve others and invest our lives in them. Now, again, time is generous to us in this regard, and age helps with this. But when we look back and we think about the investment that others have made in us, and it humbles me. It humbles me now that I have a glimpse of the investment and the cost that my parents paid and made in my life, in the life of my brothers. I think about coaches and teachers and leaders in the church. And while I only have a glimpse of the the cost of the investment that they made in my life, now that I lead others and now that I'm a parent, I know, I know how costly investment can be. But investment without cost, investment without sacrifice, it's really just about our own convenience. And if we're trying to invest in others, we're trying to love sacrificially, we're trying to serve in a way that makes a difference, if we're not willing to pay the cost, there's no guarantee that the fruit will ever bear, that it will ever pay off. But if we are willing to put in the time, if we're willing to wade through the messes, if we're willing to count the cost and accept it in the name of love, service, and investment, I promise you this, investing in others pays off. One of the most powerful stories in the Bible happens after the resurrection, after Jesus has been crucified, 
and is gloriously raised to life. One day he was having breakfast on a shoreline with Peter. And Jesus would ask Peter three times, do you love me? Three times Peter got to say yes. And I think in a way to undo the three times that he denied him before. But Jesus restored Peter and Peter went on to be a pillar in the early church. He's the one that preached that sermon on the day of Pentecost and led 3,000 people to faith in Christ and to be baptized. And that really began the modern movement that we call the church that continues even to this day. Jesus saw beyond who Peter was to who he would be, and that investment paid off. But the truth is, you're not Jesus, and neither am I. And we don't really get to see ahead. Like, I mean, Jesus knew. He saw and he knew what Peter could and would become. We don't get to necessarily have that foreknowledge that Christ had and has, but we do have this hope, this hope that if we take the time, if we wade through the messes, if we count the cost, that our investment in others will pay off. And I promise you this, there's a lot of times when you invest your life in others that you won't get to see the fruit right away. It could take years. In fact, it could take more years than you have left to see that investment come to bear fruit. But you can hope and trust that it will. And I I can assuredly, 100% promise you this, that even if you don't see the fruit bear out in the lives of people that you invest in, God always does an incredible work in the investor. If you will live in such a way that lives your life for others, if you are a servant, if you invest in others, even if you don't see the fruit born in their life in the here and now, you may see that in the next life, but you will absolutely see the work that God does in your own heart and in your own life. Because when we live like that, it changes us as much as it changes them, sometimes even more. And if you have lived like that before, you know that to be true in the same way that I do. So let's wrap up like this. Let me take us all the way back around to my original question for you guys. It's not, is there someone in your life that you could invest your life in? It's who. Who are you investing your life in? And I fully believe this. You don't need to pray a prayer today and ask God, like, God, please send me someone. Please send me someone I can invest my life in. No, that person is already in your life right now. You just need to ask God, who is it? And then you need to ask God for the courage, the strength, the dedication, the discipline, and the willingness to follow through investing your life in that person. If you're a parent in this room, you have a really easy answer, right? God has given you a stewardship called children, all right? They are your responsibility for a time that God has given to you for a season. And yeah, I know you invest your time, I know you invest your money. I know you invest your patience and your energy. But please do not forget to invest spiritually in your children as well. Please do not forget to invest the same gospel that changed your life into them. Man, I look out in this room and I see a lot of you sitting with your kids right now. And that is so awesome. That is so powerful. And I don't say this in any way to say anything negative or derogatory to my parents, but the the only memory I have of being in church as a kid was when I was like six years old and then nothing until I became a young adult myself and went with some friends, okay? You guys 
are giving your kids an opportunity to hear the good word and the good news of the gospel, and that's awesome. Do not forsake the stewardship and the responsibility that God has given you as parents. Students, whether you're elementary, middle school, high school, hear me when I say this. You are in the greatest mission field that God will ever place you in in your life. You are surrounded every day by so many of your friends, your classmates, your teammates, your peers who do not know Jesus. Just like me, just like when I was in middle school and high school. You have opportunities now that you will never have for the rest of your life to make a kingdom difference. Will you look around you and ask God to give you eyes to see who you could be investing in, who you could be inviting into your story, but more importantly into God's story and the work he wants to do in their lives. I could go on and on. If you're married, invest in your husband. Invest in your wife. If you're a grandparent, invest in your grandkids. And also don't forget to continue to invest in your kids because they still need you. If you own a company or a business or you're a manager or you're a boss in some way, you got people underneath you. Make sure that you're not just investing in a what, but you're investing in a who. Because God has given you that as a stewardship as well. If you own a home, you're surrounded by neighbors, maybe. Invest in your neighbors. I could go on and on. The bottom line is this. There is someone in your life that this very day God is calling you to invest your life in. Who are you investing your life in? And will you choose to be obedient to God's call to invest in that person? Here's what I want to do to close. I'm going to ask you all to be like 1% brave, okay? Just a little bit brave here as we close our time together. I want you right now to ask God to give you a name, one name of one person in your life that you feel he could or maybe definitely is calling you to invest in, all right? And I know some of you, you have like multiples of your kids here with you. You can say both their names. That's fine. So they're not like in the car and like, why is it me and not my sister, you know? But everyone in this room, I want you to think of one name, one name of one person, and and begin asking God right now, who is that person? Who is that person that God is calling me to invest my life in? Who is that person that needs my time? Who is that person that needs my grace? Who is that person that needs my patience? Who is that person that needs my willing, sacrificial service and love? Who is that person? And I'm going to pray over us. I'm going to pray over you and ask God to give you so many opportunities you wouldn't even know what to do with to continue to or to begin investing in that person's life. Here's what I want to do. Let's all stand to our feet. Together, on the count of three, I want us to speak that name, that name that I hope you have in your heart and your mind. I want us to speak that name out loud. Then I will pray over you, and then we'll be dismissed and go on from here. But please, please do not, do not, Forsake the opportunity that God is giving every one of us to make a difference in just one life moving forward from this place today. I hope you have that name in your heart and in your mind. On the count of three, let's say that name, those names together. One, two, three. God, I pray right now over these names that we have spoken out loud to you. God, help us to make the time. God, it's so hard to find the time in our lives these days for anything, but help us to make the time. Give us the gift of time that we can invest in that name, in that life. Give us the grace to wade through the messes. When it gets messy, when the relationship gets weird and wonky and hard, God, give us the grace to push past the messes and to continue invest in those lives. God, 
Help us to be willing to pay the cost, to love in the way that you have set as an example for us, Jesus, in those names, those lives. God, I pray for those names. I pray for those lives. I lift them up to you, that you would do an incredible work in those men, those women, those boys, those girls, those names that were just spoken out loud in this room. You do the work that only you can do in those lives. and Help us to be willing, surrendered to be used by you in the midst of it all. God, we love you. I pray we never forget the incredible investment you've made in us, Jesus. And help us to pay it forward even as we go from here. We pray all this thing in your good name, King Jesus, and all God's people said amen. Guys, you are dismissed. Have a great rest of your day.